Today on Semi-Intellectual Musings. We are finally joined by Skip and Josh to share stories and celebrate their one-year potiversary. This is our tribute to Gordon. Welcome, everyone, to Semi-Intellectual Musings, the podcast that looks at social science, humanities, and arts. I am your co-host, Philip Primo. And I'm Matt Sanderson. Folks, uh, we've talked about them before. They have been our podcast pals uh, since the start. Uh, Skip and Josh. Matt, uh, what wonderful guys. Yeah, no, they're great. They're great. I uh, listen to their show all the time. Um, It's kind of my main source for, uh, like, hardcore sporting knowledge. And uh, I love their banter and... They're Canadian kids, so uh, we got to support them. And Matt, this week, uh, November 3rd, marked their one-year podcast anniversary or pod anniversary. Pod anniversary, man. Happy pod anniversary, Skip and Josh. And we have a special surprise in store for you, listeners. Uh, we have Skip and Josh on the line. Uh, Skip, Josh, say hello. Welcome to Semi-Intellectual Musings. Hey, guys. Thanks for having us. Hello, everyone. Thanks for having us on your show. Now, which one is which? I am uh, sorry. I am Skip, and I'm Josh. Okay. Yeah, and I'm Matt. I'm Phil. Uh, before we get going, I want to play a clip of that very first episode, that moment where you guys decided to press record, and um, you know we're going to go all the way back. So this is Welcome one to year the Skip ago. And Josh Sports Show. Skip and Josh. Show. I'm Josh. I'm Skip. And uh, for those listeners who are tuning in for the first time, we just want to let you know why we're doing the show. Um, Skip and I have known each other for uh, well over 25 years. And we used to live in the same city in Montreal. I now live in Toronto. Um, and so we don't get to see each other as often as we awesome. used to, but, uh, but I feel like I'm, I'm a guest on, on the phone quite often. And most of the time we talk about sports. We've got our own take and our own opinions on sports. You're not going to find out, you know, scores from last night's game or anything like that, because you can easily find that anywhere on the web. Um, this is really, it's a show about sports, but it's more a show about how sports affects us personally. People who know us personally um, have been telling us for years that, why don't you just record your calls? They're like gold. They're like better than stuff that you hear on the radio, right? So that's what we're doing. <laughs> but um, I think for you, people who know you personally, <laughs> will know that you, uh, things can really get under your skin. <laughs> and And sometimes really little things kind of, really bug you more than it would for let's say a normal person <laughs> but um so i think for you this is like uh it's your way of venting right it's a podcast therapy for you that's right I, that's a very good description of it yeah. excellent like george's um, father on seinfeld had this serenity now what you have podcast now i have this and um just to let you know also uh, you know get- it's so funny to like think back to those first episodes it's amazing wow. for listeners who are new here uh, Skip and Josh put out a sports-themed podcast. Is that is that right, guys? Can we call it a sports-themed podcast? I think so, yeah. Yeah, that's what you could call it. I mean, we talk about sports. We do talk about other things. But uh, as Skip and I have discussed on many occasions, it's it's stuff that affects our lives. Okay, it so it's the intersection of lived experience and sports. Fandom. <laughs> sure. You could call but, it that. 
you could say that, but I mean, like you know, when you listen to sports talk radio, they 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 harp on certain themes. You know, the theme of the week, the villain of the day. You know, whose fault is it? And you know, we 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 do that too. But like like Josh said, like we talk about what we want to talk about. You know, it's our show. So like, if we don't want to talk about something, we're not going to talk about it. If we don't care about that topic, we're just going to leave it alone. And um, like like um, I think you t- you quoted me, Phil, on Twitter. Um, it's like by the fans for the fans, right? That's so, right. Yeah. 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 And, you know, and, and the other thing is, you know, we come at it from like a, a Montreal and Toronto point of view, um, me being in Montreal and Josh being in Toronto. So that tends to be, I mean, especially when we talk about hockey, that tends to be the focus. When we talk about other sports, it's more, you know, a little bit more broad, but. So two good Canadian boys sitting in with us, uh, today though, I don't think we're going to talk that much about sports. We're going to talk about the Tragically Hip. Yep. Awesome. You boys excited? Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> you know, it like... Is a, a topic I can talk about for days, so uh, so I'm good with that. You know, when I first met Josh, um, I mean, much of our beginnings of our friendship, it started with the Tragically Hip. You know, I, I mean, I've seen the hip. I just wrote it down before we, we went on here. Um, I thought it was seven times, but I can only remember six and and they were all of them were with Josh, and I know he's seen them more than that sometimes without me. But I mean, it's, it makes up a huge part of like our 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 existence, our growing up, our our maturing, our you know our young adulthood. I I lost count of the number of times that I've seen them. It's at least it's got to be at least fifteen times. Um, oh wow! In different cities and even in the United States. Um, so. Yeah, I've got lots to talk about when it comes to when it comes to that topic. And uh, as Skip mentioned, I saw a bunch of them with him, but I saw a bunch without him as well. So, um, so yeah. And for all our listeners, um, you know why we're talking about the tragically hip was the sad passing of the the tragically hips uh, lead singer Gord Downey, uh, who succumbed to a form of uh, brain cancer, incurable brain cancer. But before he left us, uh, he left us legacies and eons of music, um, not only with the hip, but with the Sadies, with Secret Path, an album that was dedicated uh, to fight for Aboriginal justice. Um, before we get into more of what Gord Downey has left us, I want to do kind of a roundtable and uh, get everyone's kind of personal story about the hip. So one kind of song in particular that means something to us. Um, and I'm going to uh, start with Skip. Wow. I'm on the hot seat. <laughs> you're, you're on the hot seat. Um, one song. I mean, look, I, I know I came prepared with one song. I mean, and, and it's funny because so I, I, you know, started with the hip with like the Up to Here album, which is, you know, Blow It High Doe, New Orleans is yeah. Sinking. Those are yeah. the first songs that, you know, kind of got radio airplay. And that's what introduced me to them. And I fell in love with them. And then, you know, Road Apple, I mean, I don't want to go through all the albums, but like, you know, oh, 89, can. yeah, 89 to like 95, like that's when I was heavy, heavy into them. And then I started to lose track a little bit um, in the late 90s and the 2000s. But that being said, I think my all time favorite song of the hip is Bob Cajun. Ooh, and. Nice. And I don't know why. I mean, I think because it's such a sharp contrast to some of the other songs that I that I really love. The other songs being more hard rocking songs. And and what I really love about Bob Bob Cajun is just like it's so like melodic, right? It's just so beautiful. 
And I mean, the worst thing you could ever do is try to look up the meaning of a song because sometimes it ruins it for you. But I did that this week to, I mean, <laughs> yeah, kind of get get the feel for you know what that's all about. And, and there's a lot of fan theories and a lot of things. But um, you know, I, I that's that's my number one. I think it's just like, and I wrote on all social media the day that we found out that Gordowney passed away. I think that lyric. Um, the constellations revealed themselves one star at a time. Yeah. I think it's probably like one of the greatest lyrics ever. So let's have a listen to that song now. Beauty. Cause it was in my page 
Okay, cool. So, um, beautiful song. I love it a lot as well. And uh, I noticed that, uh, Skip, you um, posted uh, the lyric on uh, my sort of like BS Facebook tribute. So the line that you quoted there went before we heard the song. Um, I'm going to ask you this sort of psyche question, but what does that line mean to you? I mean, I don't even know what it means to me. I just feel that it like it, it's it it's so like beautiful. Like I I can't. I'm just like imagining. You know, it's it's very um. It's very sorry. I can't even get the words out. Yeah. Um. It's very descriptive. You know. It's like you, you can see the canvas of stars or, or what he's looking at. It it kind of reminds me of that Van Gogh Starry Night painting. That's what mm-hmm. I imagine. You know. To be honest. Yeah. Cool. But but I mean, I I just find that song has such a melodic like hypnotic effect. You know, when mm-hmm. you listen to it, it's it's quite beautiful. I don't know if you know the live version from the One Night in Toronto album. Like, look, I'm from Montreal, so like, <laughs> I tend to like, I tend to like, dislike all things Toronto. Of course, but you know, when he says that lyric, you know, one night in Toronto, and the fans go crazy, yeah. it's like, man, I wish I was there, you know? Yeah. Totally. So, so I'm glad that you brought up uh, that version of the song because uh, I got as a birthday present, very young age, from my sister. Uh, that album. It came in like a DVD box set with the yeah. videos and uh, some artwork, I believe. And um, to this day, that is one of my most cherished gifts. Um, and hearing the One Night in Toronto and everyone going nuts makes you feel so connected to everyone else who's there and who's listening in a, in a way that I've never felt music do that before. Well, can I speak? I don't want to change the topic, but like you're talking about feeling connected. Yeah, just go for I it. Mean, yeah. Me and Josh talked about me and Josh talked about this on one of our episodes, like during the summer. I mean that that night when they CBC preempted the Olympics and put on the last concert in Kingston. I mean, could you ever feel more connected to all of Canada than at that moment? I mean, it's like it was an unreal experience, like watching that. I I, I to this day, like I'll, it's something that I'll never forget. Honestly, yeah. I was uh, so maybe okay. So uh, lots of personal stories here. Um, yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, but Josh, where were you uh, on the night of the Hips' last song? The 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 Kingston concert. Yeah, yeah the, the Kingston last concert, uh, yeah. concert. Yeah. Well, so I actually I was out with my girlfriend at the time, um, and we were actually walking back to the car from dinner and passed by a bar that was showing the concert, and we stopped outside. I mean, it was a hot summer night. So the doors and windows were all wide open and there were people gathered on the sidewalk watching. That's awesome. Watching, you know, from outside. And um, so we, we, I wasn't even planning on, on stopping, but we did. And then we stayed for a few songs. I don't know how long we stopped to watch. I don't know how many songs. Um, we eventually, we eventually did go back into the car and listened in the car because it was on the radio as well. Um, and of course I was recording it at home so that I could watch it as many times as I wanted to over and over again. Um, for me, for me, the most, uh, memorable thing was actually being at one of the concerts in Toronto. Um, I was fortunate enough, even though tickets were sold out in seconds, the, the hit put on a lottery, giving people, giving fans the right to purchase tickets, you know, the day of the concert. And so uh, I entered the lottery thinking, you know, I have no chance of winning, but might as well enter. And somehow my email address was picked. I don't know how. 
Um, and so I got to go to to one of the three Toronto shows, um, oh, wow. which was which was pretty amazing. And um, actually, even though I only bought tickets the day of the show, like an hour or two before the show, the seats that they had for those lucky winners was were right behind the stage. So yes, it was behind the stage, but you were really close to the stage. And as you know, during the concert, uh, Gore Downey turned around many, many times. So even though you're behind the stage, you didn't feel like you were behind the stage. You felt like you were in the front row. So it was mm. pretty cool. That's really cool. And um, so for anyone who wants to like chime in on this, but I was kind of like struck by uh, what you said about the people gathering on the sidewalk to watch the last concert uh, together. Um, it's It reminds me like, for me, the hip is, uh, it gives you like a communal feeling of what it means to be Canadian, right? And like our Canadian identity, it's kind of, it's a little slippery, like it's kind of vague, like we don't really know what it means to be Canadian. And even his his lyrics and the the poetry in his music um, is, is like very complex, right? So like what it means to be Canadian is like multiple different things. And one of the things that kind of struck me is that uh, part of being Canadian is like gathering together in a group and sort of like participating together in these communal activities. So um, maybe if anyone wants to talk about concerts they've, they've been to, uh, maybe that's one place or uh, if anyone has stories about that last uh, show that was played on the CBC. Well, just to, just to like um, continue with what you're saying about like what it is to be Canadian. So like I work for, I mean, I don't know if I work for a, a huge American company, but I'm here in Canada. So I have a lot of American okay colleagues and so my so my social media is filled with a lot of american friends as well and so the night of that concert um during the olympics and then again the, and then again the same thing happened the day gore downey died um you know my social media feed is full of stuff about the tragedy hip and then i have a lot of american friends and colleagues that right. have no idea who they are they have no clue they, they they can't they they're like what's going on what how, what's going on in Canada how come everybody's posting about this what's yeah. like the it's like some big event right and we're like oh we're just yeah. Canadians you know being Canadian you know this is something that we bond over right there's hockey and there's the hip, right? <laughs> basically <laughs> and and Gore Downey and the Hips sing about hockey quite a lot in a, in a bunch of their songs right right when I had to console my little brother the too many men on the ice penalty and. He was crying in bed. My dad had sent us to bed because he'd had enough. Because we just wouldn't stop and Pat wouldn't stop crying. And he says, why, Gord? Why? I was like, I don't know. I didn't know if he was asking me about, you know, why too many men on the ice. That's a question Don would have to answer, I guess. When, when everything's bleak and it's the middle of the night, he and I wander along. I talk about my missed field goal and he talks about that. Not his fault, of course, but mm. how about for you in your life? Did you have any uh, sporting moments like that that uh, gave you character, toughness? Well, I mean, that Tommy Salo goal the other day, um, people can't really relate to unless they are, you know, unless they mind the blue paint, you know. And I, I had one go in on me from over center once, and I swear it just dipped like a sort of, you know, I mean, pucks do strange things. And, uh, and you have a lot of time to watch it coming towards you, and, um, and you're saying this isn't happening, this isn't going to happen, this could never go in. And, and then it's in. So that happened to me as, as a kid. What was the circumstance? Was it a big game or just a game? Uh, it was a pretty big game. It was my first year playing goal. And um, our, I was on a really stacked team. And we went 16-0. Uh, and 0, And I think I had about 14 shutouts. And I'd sort of bore my family members with my... Uh, I was really into stats with my goals against average. You know, it's, point, it's 0.10, you know. And uh, whatever. So 
Uh, and then in the championship game, we were, uh, it was like the first time I actually got truly tested, and that was a goal that uh, tied the game for this team that we were supposed to, to walk over. And um, we ended up winning 3-2. Oh, good. I was going to ask. <clears throat> but it was uh, tense. There was another moment where my grandfather, my whole family came. We were in the all Ontario Playdowns, and uh, I'd come back from a being quarantined with a bunch of friends. And there was a diphtheria scare. <laughs> anyway, and I missed two games of our playoffs against uh, East Gwillimbury. And in the third game, we were up 5 nothing going to the third period. And, and then it, uh, and my grandfather was there. as was big, and the whole family was there Sunday afternoon. And it was 5-1, And I smashed my stick over the crossbar at 6-5 and was pulled. And, uh, you know, the... Um, Jimmy Anderson, the president of the league, came into the room to tell me how ashamed he was on behalf of the entire organization. And uh, my dad was bummed because goalie sticks cost oh. a lot of money. Well, uh, yeah, I don't think you ever lose that. I, I think I'm kind of aware of all that stuff and really uh, I try to be vigilant. I play with some guys in my neighborhood where the rule is you have to be from our neighborhood and have a pulse. But men playing hockey go weird, you know. Maybe it is a kid's game, I don't know. but. Um, so I'm very uh, vigilant about, you know, maintaining the throwing the sticks in the middle yeah. and um, not allowing teams to form. And, and uh, you know, although it does give me a chance to work on my comedy routine, you know, sort of saying to defensemen, you know, like you should charge admission to the crease, you'd make a killing. Or when he asks, was I screening you? I say, no, I was screening you. How, you know, how like about uh, for, for you, uh, lead singer is no easier. Goaltender and lead singer, you've picked a couple of uh, tough tasks uh, for yourself. Um, how do you, how do they compare rock and hockey? Rock and hockey. <laughs> um, well, yeah. I mean, it's, I, well, you could ask different guys in the band. But I consider goaltending like Jacques Plante the most noble position in all of sports. And uh, yeah, lead singing would probably be. <laughs> although you know, uh, being a drummer is pretty darn noble. One too. really great memory for me. It's it's not from the last concert, but it's from uh, two thousand four. So um, 2004 was the first year that I was working for the Canadian Football League, and 2004 was also the first Grey Cup I ever attended. I ended up attending 10 consecutive Grey Cups, but 2004 was very special for me because it was my first one, but also the Tragically Hip were the halftime show for that Grey Cup. And so I got to see, not only did I get to see the Hip play the halftime show in Ottawa at the Grey Cup, but even better than that, uh, I had arrived at the stadium very early on that Sunday morning because why well, I had work to do and I had to prepare. And of course, when I showed up, what's happening at, at you know, at midfield, mm. the hip are going through sound check. Awesome. So wow. I got to watch sound check, which was pretty amazing. That's so cool. Um, and then that same uh, month in the span of 11 days, starting on that November 21st day in 2004, in a span of 11 days, I saw the hip three times because I saw them in Ottawa and then Five days later, I saw them in Toronto at the Air Canada Centre. And then on December 1st, on my birthday, I saw them in Montreal at the, I don't know if it was called the Bell Centre or the Molson Centre at the time. Uh, But basically, I got to see the hip three times in the span of 11 days from November 21st to December 1st of 2004. So that was... That was an exciting eleven days. That's for cool. Me. It's almost like you you <laughs> almost cool. followed them like a Grateful Dead tour or something. You just like uh, yeah, you, stalked the hip. You, for you, you were days. the the hip's roadie for <laughs> for that week. It would have been amazing. I would have loved that. <laughs> um, okay, before I turn over to Matt to ask him about his favorite song, I have a quote from Gord Downey, uh, twenty fourteen. 
He said,、uh, I stand in support of the Athabasca Chippewayan First Nations and all Canadians who find themselves with no voice in our present version of democracy who are trying to come up with the entry fee that gets them a seat at the table where their pollution future is being discussed. Gore Downey, as we now know, was not only a singer, songwriter, artist, but he was also an activist, an activist for all Canadians. And I think we'll get into that later.、Uh, but I'm going to kind of do、uh, another roundtable about、um, our experience or our thoughts about Gord's activism, especially later in life, where we knew that he was battling a cancer, but yet we,、um, we seem to see him every day or almost every day in the media. I am.、Um, so honestly, I didn't know about any of this activism until he died. Like the day that he died, I was like, oh, wow, he was working on other projects. And I'm sort of like that with musicians and, and music. Like, I don't know a lot about the artists. I don't often don't even know their names.、Um, so for me, this has been a bit of a, a learning process. And I feel a bit, I feel ashamed actually about that.、So. Oh, that's interesting. You feel ashamed about it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I talk about. This being like one of the bands that like, I absolutely love, right? I love all the music, every single song. But,、um, and I'm always one who like, looks at the political dimensions of music or sports, like,、um, things like this. And、um, I, yeah, I'm just sort of ashamed that I didn't know this whole aspect. I, I just thought he was sort of like a modern day Gordon Lightfoot, basically. Right.、Um, I started with Skip last time. So, Josh,、uh, when you've been listening to the hip over all these years, did you get a sense of activism from Gord? Actually, I, I, I mean, I didn't really, to be honest. Anytime I, I would hear an interview with Gord,、um, or, you know, now obviously a lot of interviews that were done 10, 15, 20 years ago, they're starting to replay them. When you, when you hear him speak, I'll be honest with you, I don't understand half the things that he says.、Um, he, he, He's got this way of speaking. He often doesn't answer, if you pay attention, he doesn't really answer the question that he's being asked by the interview. He'll basically just say whatever he wants to say, which is fine. I'm totally cool with that.、Um, but it's not your typical you know,、um, interview that you would get with a、Make、famous person.、Happen. In my case, I tended to start slapping lyrics fairly quickly on pieces of music. And after 18 or 19 years together, I'm starting to actually realize maybe I should. Come up with a melody first. So that's my newest challenge.、Um, you know, I forget the guy's name in 101 Dalmatians, but he's a songwriter. I can't believe I don't remember his name. Darling is his last name, right? No, that's in Peter Pan. Jesus. Anyway, he's a songwriter.、Mm. And she's asking him how, how it's going, basically. And he's like, first the melody, dear, then the lyric. And it's like, he's right. That guy with all those dogs.、Uh, Well, not always and not a lot. I think that's why I was so struck by that and wanted to tell everyone that I'd had like an epiphany. Hey, I had one of those things that happened to Keith Partridge, you know, when he woke up and just had to write it down. I don't know, I'm citing TV that I barely remember. And so I had to like tell everyone, you know, hey, I had one of those things that I, yeah, I've always read about, you know, where you have to wake up in the night and turn on the light and scramble for a pen before the thoughts like fly away, literally, like, you know, it's incredible. Between、um, you know, dream state and waking life, it's,、uh, you know, it's like whatever. You're drowning, you're clamoring to the surface, and the first thing you want is a pen.、Uh, that's ridiculous. And so, so I never really got that impression. I, I think really I only noticed it、um, after, after it was announced that he had incurable cancer. 
And then all these stories started coming out about the work that he wanted to do with, with indigenous people. So I have to be honest, I just listened to the music because I enjoyed listening to the music. So, um, and I just, if I can jump in. So I, I never thought of this before and that's classic on our show, but, um, sometimes when people get a diagnosis of a terminal illness, they feel guilt about not doing more in the past, right? Um, so do you think, anybody, um, that he was almost like, man, I need to start making up for lost time? Or do you think it was more like, I've always cared about these issues, but I haven't used my celebrity status in the in the most effective way that I could have? Well, I mean, I guess we'll never know for sure what, what went through his head and like the yeah. reason why, but I mean, I, I'm kind of on the same, feeling the same as you, Matt, like, I really didn't know much about what he he was doing for this cause of the Aboriginal people, like until until like he was about to die or or sadly did die, right? So, I mean, it's a kind of a sad. I, I'm and I'm I'm sure I'm not in the minority among Canadians, right? I mean, unfortunately, sometimes it takes some kind of tragic event to you know bring the focus onto something, and you know maybe that's what he was kind of hoping for right like now 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 there's so much attention being paid to it right i don't mean to hurt anyone's feelings but as a kid growing up like what is it about this country that isn't it's not a country what is it can't tell you know we got to figure out a way to really help out these our friends up north you know i'm not like putting it all on my death but it's put me in a position where i can actually um get some attention as I said something at the show, mm-hmm. that really clung. Well, you know, Prime Minister Trudeau's got me. His work with First Nations, he's got everybody. He's going to take us where we need to go. And we got to be a country that's going to take us a hundred years to figure out what the hell went on up there but it isn't cool and everybody knows that it's really really bad but we're gonna figure it out you're gonna figure it out at 52 i'm really oh my god i'm so sorry you people living up north who can't be gotten to Literally, physically. So sorry. And the story relates to the residential school issue. Yeah, among that, yeah. Among others. But it's become the focal point of your latest project, Secret Path. Mm -hmm. The story of Charlie Wenjack, or Channy Wenjack. Um, why did this become something that you became so interested in and so concerned about and wanting to tell the story? Well, my brother Mike gave me this sort of um, piece, one from the from the Plains mm-hmm. in 67, about a year after it had happened in 66. And it's just a basically sort of Thumb and nail description of a boy running away from a um, residential I, school. Yeah, that you're talking about, mm-hmm. and trying to get home. I mean, we can think about how little we think about 
up there, but it's unbelievable. And uh, and yet their resilience, their ability to survive that, but they're still, like they say, there's seven generations to go to fix. These things don't just get fixed now up there. You know, a lot of places not getting better, like we would expect, you know, well, everything gets better, like getting a little bit worse. And so now we have the chance to build something that will allow us down here and them up there to become, to realize that makes us a country. That's 150, well, the last 150 years aren't as much worth celebrating as we think. But uh, the new 150 years can be a year of building an actual nation, you know, with, like, imagine if they were part of us and we them, like, how incredibly cool it would make us. You know, and that's what's missing as we celebrate donuts and hockey over and over and over and over again. On a secret path, the one that nobody knows, and I'm moving fast on the path nobody knows. This is the uh, best thing I've ever done. And by best, I just mean it helps my heart a little bit. This is what I want to do. Nothing else really matters to me. I have wanted to tell my brother's story. I wanted his life to mean something. I had no idea how I was going to do that. But I trusted, I knew that something would come about in time, you know? Who would ever thought? Tragically hip. As part of all this, you've created a fund. Mm-hmm. What, what are you trying to accomplish with the Gord Downey Fund? Uh, well, the Gore Downey Charlie Wenjack Fund, basically, um, we are hoping to bridge the gap, I guess, ultimately, um, between us and and them, not up in heaven, but up north. And then the weird thing is, is I think everybody in this country cares about this. That's a, like a, a um, that's not me being prophetic. I, I think it's true. I think everybody just bugs everybody a little bit deep inside like what can't we can mm, why can't we do anything because it's really friggin big and huge and impossible to imagine helping you know but it could be just such a first great you know attempt from us I'm not gonna stop I'm just catching my breath they're not gonna stop. So on that, um, Matt, uh, let's turn to you. What is your because I, I we I give the homework to everyone. Let's just be honest here, okay? <laughs> uh, so I gave you homework. Uh, what's your favorite song from the hip? Why or what's the story about it? Okay, so <clears throat> the song I chose may not necessarily be my favorite, but when I was driving up here. 
I was screaming every single lyric with my windows rolled down because <laughs> even though it was zero degrees, I'm just like, screw it, I'm wearing a jacket. So the song, there's two songs that got me into the hip. Uh, one of them that I hate and the uh, other one that I, I'll get Phil to play for you in a sec. The one that I hate is actually um, my music at work. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but you hate that song? Like, I overplayed it so much because it was the very first hip song that I was like, oh, these guys are pretty good, right? And it's not like their sound at all. Like, And the second song that, that I'm going to get Phil to play uh, is also not really like a hip sound. But um, when I was working at a call center for uh, the American cell phone company, Nextel, um, I uh, would play my music at work. It was on a mix CD that I made, and there's also some Nas tracks on there and stuff, so it was kind of a grab bag, but I heard my music I worked so much, and then I got so much radio time that I can't stand it anymore. It's also the only music video that I know. So the song I actually want Phil to play is the other hip song that was on that mixtape, and it's uh, called Fireworks.
Okay, Matt. Fireworks. Um, great song. Yeah, it's it's like okay. I mean, it's not like my fa- it's still it's not my favorite hip song, but it's uh, I know every single word like word for word, and it kind of gets me in the mood. Like for me, um, it's very like the lyrics are very Canadiana, and it's a kind of a history of Canada's sort of detached position in the world like the cold war happened and we just had a hockey tournament or whatever right he mentions bobby orr in there which is my dad's favorite hockey player so that stands out i have a bobby orr jersey um at home um and like see i think gord downey is a lot like gordon lightfoot i mentioned that a little bit earlier um because he plays with history right and he tells a story and it's like poetry as well and um, there's a lot of complex messages but then the lyrics are all oftentimes quite simple this uh, song is about falling in love, um, you know, getting married, having all these expectations about what married life is supposed to be, the challenges, and he talks about politics. Like, there's a lot of things he's actually talking about in here, um, but it's the it's the hockey references that actually kind of always got me in to it. And it also, like, weirdly, even though it's, like, set in the, from the 70s, 80s, and into the 90s, um, it reminds me of my wife and, like, our relationship. So that's the what always like I'm a sentimental guy like that's what always gets me kind of choked up so that's one kind of actually you know what I talked myself into it screw it I love fireworks <laughs> there you go oh there we go okay wow we he, I just there there you go you got, went down the rabbit hole with have Maddie. come full circle with Matt we just witnessed an entire thing that Matt just did yeah 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 They're, welcome to my madness folks that was so awesome uh, <laughs> now you know what phil deals with on a daily basis with me <laughs> uh so uh josh you work uh you just finished telling us that you work for the uh, a big american company am no, i no, wrong with that skip uh, oh that was skip yeah. sorry sorry yeah uh so so skip um okay uh there is a lyric in this song uh and loosening the grip on a fake cold war I'm just going to, this was released in 1998. I have to throw this out there, but years before Trump invented the word fake, I'm sure that you've seen this on your social media coming from the U.S., right? Yeah, of course. (laughs) I I just, I was just just looking at the lyrics now and it's pretty amazing. Loosening the grip on a fake Cold War. It's like he knew about fake news like way before anybody. Yeah, yeah, totally. There it is. And honestly, I didn't know the song was made or released in 1998 because I was working at this call center in 2003. So like I was listening to that song in the post uh, Cold War or post Cold War post nine eleven kind of context, and yeah. um, I remember at RMH this is just kind of random, but I do you guys remember when they were the Americans were invading Iraq and they on CNN they had a ticker down on the bottom right hand corner, um, they were kind of counting down to the invasion of Iraq, and I distinctly, well I'll tell you yeah. I'll tell you exactly the invasion of Iraq. It was March twentieth two thousand three. Yeah. And and I can tell you exactly why because that's my daughter's birthday. It's the day, the day she was born. Oh, so oh. I remember I remember it so vividly because I was in the hospital with my wife and then like listening to the radio. I'm like, hey, they're about to invade Iraq, you know? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy. I remember watching like on one of those old school big screen TVs in the uh, lunchroom at RMH, uh, walking out, and it was like people were gathered around it, like it was like the countdown to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. 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 So that, but that's what puts it in that place and time for me in 2003. That's when I knew, uh, that's when I got into the hip basically was when America invaded Iraq. Can I, can I just get back to the music at work for a sec? Yeah, please do. Yeah. I really don't like that song. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> me neither. <laughs> I find it's like, to me, it's like a theme song of every, like, um, every 
like big weird office like uh, office space or the office like when you think about like weird kind of office culture I, I could always picture like oh they're playing music at work in the background you know like I don't know yeah it's um I was just talking to Phil before we hit record on this about that connection like it, the music video for music at work um looks like office space but then it also is like that Shania Twain cover song that she did from the 80s with the women in the background with the guitars I can't remember I can't remember what it's called um was that like I feel like a woman Oh yeah, man, I feel like a woman. It reminds me of that music video and Office Space put together. And um, yeah, it's very cliche. And as I said, it doesn't sound like their music. So like of all the songs to get me into it, the hip, these two songs like would not be the one that, that you pick. And then as soon as I heard their other music, I was just like, oh, okay, now I know why everybody likes this band. But for me, like fireworks and music work, um, those are like their last kick of the can at trying to be like mainstream or popular. Those sound yeah. very commercial and very poppy, basically, to me. I don't know. Well, me and Josh talked about the hip. Sorry, I don't want to monopolize all the time, but like the, the me and Josh talked about the hip. I don't know on one of our earlier episodes. I don't remember Josh if you remember which one. It was like one of it was during the summer. Like we we talked about it at that time during the, the summer Olympics. And, like, I always have this theory that, like, they try to kind of, like, the record companies and their promoters were trying to get them to be popular in the United States. And at a certain point, they just kind of said, nah, we don't want to do that. And, like, let's just stick to Canada. I don't know if that's true, yeah. but that's, like, how I feel. Like, that's, like, my, my like, own theory. But whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to have to agree. Um, when they were promoting, I think it was In Between Evolution, that album, uh, we barely heard anything from Canada but yet uh, tons of U.S. ads for it. And um, like I was a little confused because I don't even think, did we even get a tour for that album in Canada? I'm not convinced. Like I have I have an In-Between Evolution shirt, but I'm not convinced that I got it at a concert. Like right. I think I bought right. it at another concert. Um, so somebody, one of you two said that you've seen them a number of times down in the States. Um like, what's that experience like, actually? So, I mean, <clears throat> it was me, Josh, who saw them in the States. And Skip, I think you were with me when we saw them in Vermont, if I'm not mistaken. We did. Yeah, yeah. We saw so them in Vermont. It was the, that was the only time that I saw them in the States. And it was fun because it was the middle of the summer and we drove down. So it was a road trip. And um, yeah, the, just getting to the concert took forever because there was so much traffic from, from Montreal going to Vermont and I don't know where wherever other people were coming from going to Vermont. So there was, I think there was even a chance that we were going to be late for the show. There was because, yeah. because, because of all the traffic. Now we ended up getting there on time and we didn't miss any of it. But uh, to be honest, I can't remember any of the songs that we heard at that show. Um, the only thing I remember from that show is as we were sitting in traffic on the way down, again, it was a really hot day and everyone had their windows rolled down and their sunroofs open. The, uh, the car in front of us, there was a girl in the car in front of us. She stood up through the uh, through the sunroof of her car and flashed us. It was great. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I was hoping you're going to say have that. No, I have no recollection of that, Josh. I swear. Sure. Well, sure. clearly, I was paying more attention than you. But one thing that I do remember about that show, and I'm sure you will too, Josh, is that it was in a really like weird venue. It was like in a like almost like a high school gym, right? Okay. No, you're talking about a different one then. Because the one I'm talking about was the outdoor one in, in Vermont. Was I there? I thought you were. I, so that means that means I went to see them twice in Vermont then. Honestly, I don't remember. Honestly, I don't remember. But do you, so, do, but you do remember this little high school gymnasium? 
Yes, I do. I do. Right. And so, we were talking about how it reminded us of the movie Hoosier. Well, he said it. So like we're in this, this venue and, and Gord Downey gets up on stage and he's like, he says in his in, in only the way Gord Downey can in this weird rambling, you know, stuff that barely makes any sense. And he's like, and he's like, welcome to the set of Hoosiers, you know, Austin, Texas. That's awesome, man. I'm still yes, laughing. yes, I do remember that. So that means I've seen them twice then in Vermont. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. So for but all Vermont, our does Vermont really count? Does Vermont really count as the United States? It's like more of Canada, no? Like just southern Canada? Yeah, it's like the 11th province. <laughs> so for all our listeners, Maybe, yeah. listeners of some intellectual musings, Skip and Josh have known each other for, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but for over 25 years now. I, um. Well, we don't want to, I mean... Uh, <laughs> Ouch, I, we met. I, uh, I don't want to give away ages, <laughs> but okay, in, for, for like a long no, time. We met in since 1988, I think. 1989, somewhere like there. You're not old. You're wise. Yeah, yeah. It, well, yeah, <laughs> and I think we just witnessed uh, what I would call like a long-term friendship bickering. It's almost like a marriage bickering, but it's kind of like. One of these, like, were you there? Like, I remember that. How come you don't but, remember but that? Well, you, you don't know how often this that? happens. You, do you don't know how often this happens, right? <laughs> There's so many times that, like, we, me and Josh, we both we're both guilty of it. We're we're, we're assuming that it, the the other person was was there or or was on a call or was at a dinner or was at a lunch with friends, and and then I'm like, I wasn't there that day, or were you there that day? And like, <laughs> you know. <laughs> We also, we also, we, we lived together for three years. So, you know, there's a lot of things that happened on a daily basis that who knows. I mean, I just assumed you were there because we were living in the right. same apartment. Okay. Right. I, I gotta, I gotta ask. I gotta ask. Okay. Which one is the neat one and which one is the dirty one? Like, oh. I, I want some, like, oh, uh, you don't I want some get, truth telling from the, well, <laughs> Josh, I don't know. I don't want to badmouth you, but you could go. <laughs> Oh, go ahead, guys. You're on our show right now. I'm I'm definitely, I'm definitely the neat and the clean one. In fact, um, some some friends of mine, they they've given me the nickname as of of germ because I'm a germaphobe. So, um, so yeah, I'm definitely the neat and the clean one. There's no question. If you YouTube, if you Google um, a YouTube show called The Germ Show, um, you can check it out. It's a reality TV show based on Josh that was done by a friend of his. A TV pilot, <laughs> and they actually they did sell it to a production ago. company. The the production company never did anything with it, but there is um a, a one really good episode of the Germ Show out there. And that's so funny. I'm laughing. I'm just looking at Phil because he's the neat one, and I'm the sloppy oh, yeah, one, yeah. or whatever. It's just a classic odd couple. You know, Josh, like, yes, yeah, exactly. Well, I don't. We we weren't so much of an odd couple, but you know, Josh is definitely the neat one. He likes everything. Josh has like much more OCD in him than than like you know than me. So, like, Josh likes things, you know, in their right place. Things have to be where they're supposed to be and, you know, that type of stuff. So, as you were saying that, I just looked over at Matt and gave him, like, the dirtiest look because his cup was on my wood table without a coaster and he moved it just, like, so slowly. (laughs) And uh, honestly, I didn't even realize I was doing that. Like, I was just like, it's like a Pavlovian response now. (laughs) So, just just to tell you, I I brought a glass of water in to record now, but I didn't put it on the desk where my computer is because I'm paranoid that I'm going to spill the water on my computer. So I've got the water so far away. You have no idea. I can't even reach it if I need to drink some of it. That's how, that's how far away it is <laughs> from awesome. me right now. There's a fine line between tough and crazy and you're flirting with it. So, so when we were living together, friends of ours used to come over and they used to tell Josh, you go sit in the living room. We're going to go in your room right now. And they would go in his room and they would just move something. They'd move a piece of paper or a pen. <laughs> Or, ten items. They yeah, moved they ten moved, things. They came out and they said, "Okay, we've moved ten things." And then Josh would go in his room and say, "These are the ten things you moved," and he would get them. 
Like they would move, they would move in, a pen like a from one side of the table to another, and he's like, "Yeah, that's not." That's amazing. Wow. Whenever I come in here, uh, one of the first things Phil says after, like, "Hey, buddy, how's it going?" Um, is oh, mind the mess. Like my house is so messy, and I look, I'm like, "Man, if my house looked like this once, <laughs> I would be over the moon." Uh, okay, so that that was okay. You know, detours are good. Uh, we like going down detours, uh, dead ends. Um, but let's get back to the tragically hit. The hip. Yeah. yeah. Uh Josh. Yes. What is your favorite hip song or one of your favorite hip songs and why give us a little story. So I'll I'll answer the question in a second but um I just want to say something about the song Music at Work because we've all seemed to talk about that song. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. Uh, yeah. It's divisive, if right? If you haven't yet seen the documentary Long Time Running, it's been on television, it was at the theaters. It's going to be on television again um in about a week. But if you haven't yet seen the documentary, here's a spoiler alert for those who haven't seen it. Um, They talk about that song. And if you recall, um, well, you might not know if you haven't seen the documentary. During rehearsal for the concert for the last tour, um, Gord Downey pretty much forgot, I think, all the lyrics to all the songs and had to relearn them. Yeah. So they show a clip where he's um, he's singing the song Music at Work and and. If you if you know the song, the way it ends is he repeats the words "music at work" about a dozen times at the end. You yeah. know, my music at work, my music at work. I, I don't know how many times he he repeats it. And then so they're finished singing the song, and then he turns to one of the other guys in the band, and he's like, "So what's the title of that song?" Oh, <laughs> and he and he wasn't he wasn't kidding. Like he really forgot what it was, even though he just said it a dozen times. Anyway, oh boy, that's that's uh, a tangent, but. Um, when Skip told me I'd have to tell you guys about my favorite song, I, I was I was thinking in my head, I think I made a list of, of 10, and I knew I had to narrow it down. So I narrowed it down to three. And um, I'll tell you, Fireworks is in my top three, but it's Seriously? not my number one song. Wow, I'm surprised um, by that. I didn't think anyone else liked that song, honestly. <laughs> no, Fireworks is a great song because oh, okay. it's like, it's fast, wow. it's hard the whole way through. You know, there's no lulls during the song. It's great. And, and we all hold the stick and we all pull the trigger. And all I can yeah. remember is sitting beside you. <laughs> okay, what's 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 the other two songs in your top three? So, so New Orleans is sinking is in the top three, but my number one song is Little Bones, without a doubt. And there's a few reasons for oh. that. Um, that song came out in 1991 on the album Road Apples, and then 1991 was the first time that I saw the hip live. It was at the uh, Spectrum in Montreal, which is a venue that holds just over a thousand people. So obviously it was a great concert. Um, and Little Bones is also similar to the song Fireworks. It's a really hard, fast song. There's no lulls during the song. And there's some great lines in there, like, you know, 250 for a highball, a buck and a half for a beer, and then 250 for an eyeball, a buck and a half for an ear. You know, just the lyrics are great. The song is great. That whole album, in my opinion, is great. Um, so that's my favorite hip song. And let's give it a listen right now.
Actually, like I couldn't wait to hear what Josh's number one song was going to be. I was like, I was on the edge of my seat. <laughs> I, I thought you were going to say Highway Girl. I like that one too. Oh. Yes, it's funny because I've been singing that in my head all week. Okay, Josh, uh, Little Bones, your favorite hip song. Now you've seen them multiple, multiple times live. Uh, what was one of the most memorable shows uh, that you saw them at? Um, I think. I think the one of the most memorable ones was when Skip and I, I think you were with me, Skip, again, I'm not sure, when we oh, saw boy. them at uh, Université de Montréal. I think it was in 1992. Um, and then yeah. the funny part, the, 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 the memorable part about that show was another friend of mine was at the concert, but I didn't know that he was going, and I should have known because he's a bigger hip fan than I am. Um, and all of a sudden, Skip and I are just, you know, we're in the mosh pit, we're having a great time. And we see somebody body surfing and turns out it's my buddy. And then the next thing That's we know, awesome. next thing, next thing we know, like there's a shoe flying across the, the gym and we almost got hit by a shoe. So that's that, that I, for some reason that sticks out in my, in my head as, uh, was that, was that Willem? Yes, it was. <laughs> Willem? <laughs> That's awesome. No. He's a huge hip fan. He, he knows some of the band and he's kind of Josh's can like, I don't know, Josh is probably could tell you now, like you've been backstage, right? A couple times or at least once. Yeah, Willem, when Willem goes to hip shows, um, he gets backstage passes because he's uh he's buddies with the drummer, Johnny Fay. So um so Will took me backstage once for after one of the concerts we went to. I don't even remember which one it was. And um so I got to meet the band, which was pretty cool. And and you know, I'd never been backstage before at a concert, and you hear about all these like, oh, you got backstage passes. I have to tell you, it's not as exciting as it sounds. I've actually so heard that, yeah. <laughs> you, you go backstage and yes, the band is there and, and you know, their family and their friends are there and it's just like people chatting and, and drinking beer and, and that's pretty much it. There's no, it's not like a party or anything like that. It's very low key. They're all, I guess, you know, decompressing from the show they just did. And um, so, but it was very nice to meet all of them and it was before, before anyone had a smartphone. So of course I don't have any pictures of it, of course. 
Okay, so I don't want this to derail things, but I have to ask, what did both of your, what did you guys look like in 1992? Like, what did your hair look like? What kind of styles were you into and stuff? Well, let me tell you something about me and Josh in 1992. In our light, most people say that we look so much alike that that we have to be related. And then not not only that, like, that we were definitely, like, people just see us like, oh, that's your brother, Mm. right? People that don't know us are like, oh, that's your brother. Like, no, we're not related. And it's gotten so far as to say, like, we were were together and people are like, oh, you guys are twins. Not only are we brothers, we're twin brothers, right? Hold on, Skip, I have to interrupt you for a sec. (laughs) There was one time where um, one of uh, of Skip's ex-girlfriends, one one of Skip's ex-girlfriends, I bumped into her. I didn't know it was his ex-girlfriend. I bumped into her somewhere in Montreal and she said to me, Hey, Avi, how's it going? No, that's a proper introduction. And, and, and I like I had no clue who she was because I, I'd never met her before. She, they were dating before I even knew him. And I'm like, I'm, I'm sorry. I do know who Avi is, but I'm not him. It was the funniest thing. But I mean, um, no, I never had like I never had like the mullet or anything. But yeah, I did have like uh, that 1991. Yeah. In the early 90s, I had some pretty long hair. Yeah. I had this alternative kind of hair. <laughs> what about you? Um. To, to be honest, I think a lot of people, other than now I have, you know, stubble on my face and depending on what day of the week it is, you might even call it a beard. But a lot of people say that I haven't really changed much since, since yeah. whatever, the 90s. I agree with that. You've always had like a short, like regular haircut. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's funny. It's like you sound like a cu- like an old married couple that start looking alike as you get older. Well, <laughs> so. we're the opposite. We looked exactly like when we were younger and now we're getting looking less alike as we get older. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So before we move on to, uh, this is kind of weird because I kind of have to introduce my own favorite hip song on yeah. this kind of thing here. So, uh, so uh, Phil, uh, what's your favorite hip song? Everyone else has uh, shared theirs. <laughs> okay, well, thanks, Matt. Hey, no problem, uh, man. That's what I'm here for. So, so uh, in all honesty, okay, like this was not, we didn't talk about the songs that we were going to pick, right? Like we just kind of went off and did our own thing. Yep. I had uh, Little Bones as my uh, number two best favorite song. I had New Orleans' is Sinking as uh, my number three favorite song. I had fireworks on the mom. Like everything has been on my top five. Oh my list. Like this yeah. is wow. But no one. So my number one is unique, which is, which is nice. Um, I don't know if, if Matt could guess this one, um, but my favorite hip song is courage. Oh yeah. I love that song, man. Oh, it's a great song. Yeah. I mean, there's no doubt. Right? Yeah. There's just something behind the lyrics um, that gets me going every time I hear it. Like, it's not like musically, it's probably not the best song that they've created. But for me, um, there's something about putting you, I find that the hips music lyrics, poetry kind of puts you into a space, puts you into a story. And then um, you can kind of see yourself in that story. And the first line from Courage, which is watch the band through a bunch of dancers, um, brings me back to my first ever encounter uh, with the hip. Um, but I want to play a bit of the song and then we'll talk about that.
I saw you earlier. Save it. Hold on to it. You don't know what you're doing. The first casualty of booze is judgment. Smoke pot instead. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, keep that fucking Wendell Clark jersey. I'm a Bruins fan. You're throwing it to the wrong guy. Okay, so uh, watching the band through a bunch of dancers reminds me of the very first live show that I saw of The Hip. And I've seen The Hip um, probably about a dozen times live. Um, but it was with my sister. I was very young. And like I learned this week, uh, she, there was lots of beer consumed prior, during, and after the concert by her and her best friend who had brought me to the show. I got a bad feeling about this. Um, but the show was at Parc Jean Drapeau in Montreal, so the outside uh, venue that's kind of on Ile Saint-Hélène, a little island. It's funny how we associate, like, um, it, whether it's like the hip to other bands or the hip to memories uh, in our life. That's interesting. And it's funny, Phil, you, you mentioned your sister, like you've mentioned your sister a few times when it comes to music. Like my sister was a huge influencer on my musical taste and she didn't 
did not like the hip either. I think she respected them. But my sister was the one who gave me the best of um, album in like 2004 um, for Christmas. And she's like, really? You like this band? And it was like, for me, the hip was like the first band that I found on my own without my sister's help. So, No, my sister, um, like I come from a large family, like we're six in total. But um, so Stacy, um, so the sister that's closest to age in me, introduced me to all of music when I was young. Like I, I'm into music because of her, basically. Um, so like we would listen to fully completely uh, day for night uh, up to here on cassette tapes over and over and over again. Um, I remember um, the Road Apples album um, because it would always like it had a permanent spot next to our stereo. Like it was like the go to album that we'd listen to um, that. And then, you know, she got me into like other kind of music as well later, but it was mostly focused on the hip. That's interesting. And, and of you two, uh, Skip and Josh, uh, like who's the musical influencer? Or do you guys like influence each other? Like who introduces the music in your sort of friendship? Oh, wow. Well, I mean, you go ahead, Josh. <laughs> I, I mean, there was, you know, <clears throat> like I, I don't know if Skip even liked the Tragically Hip before he met me. Maybe that's wrong to say. I don't know. So I, start, I mean, I have all their CDs and I always had all their CDs and we as I said, we lived together for a bunch of years, so you didn't even need to buy any of their stuff because you knew I had it all, so you could just listen to my CDs whenever you wanted to. Um, <laughs> Some bickering again. <laughs> no, it's You're not bickering. Like, I'm, I'm, you know, I was happy to lend whatever, you know. It was, it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, some of, the other, some of the other songs that we didn't even talk about that I really like, you know, uh, from Up to Here, Blow It High Doe, 38 Years Old, Boots or Hearts. Yeah it's 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 really i mean they had an album before that that not many people know about but uh that is really their first real album and um i mean it could be it still might be one of my favorites even though you know all these other albums came out afterwards and and road apples i mentioned how much i like that you know it's got the song long time running and three pistols uh you know i mean i I can list so many songs when i was trying to come up with my top 10 I, I think I at one point I had 20 songs and I had to cut it down. So, you know, I could go on for days. But I mean, for you, Josh, like, wasn't your brother a big musical influence on you? Oh, absolutely. And and like, I think I think he was, well, the first hip concert I went to, the one at the Spectrum, he took me to that. So yeah, my, my brother's older than I am. So yes, he took me to right. that hip concert. Yeah, my, my sister's older than me. I only have uh, the one sibling. Yeah. Um, but you always need someone like just a little bit older to show you what's cool, basically. Yeah, well, I had to find like things for myself. Like I'm the oldest and like my sister's younger than me mm. and she had like, we had similar tastes in music, but like I was the more of the influencer on her. And like yeah. I, I just somehow, I would I would spend hours at the record store. You know, like I would just, I would spend like, afternoons at hmv or sam the record man like just like mm. looking at all the cds like this is the days before the internet right you couldn't just google stuff yeah you couldn't yeah, like yeah. music wasn't streaming right like stuff wasn't readily available yeah. like when you when you bought a cd you you were like you were investing your 15 to 20 dollars right you're like okay I'm, I'm paying the money better be good now you know like so yeah. yeah and like with um this is just kind of a tangent but with like obviously with streaming music now um gone are the albums right and the one thing about the hip is that they always produce like complete start to finish albums like with lots of songs on there that you'll really enjoy and then even a song that you don't like that much there'll be parts or elements to of it that you're like okay at least it's listenable yeah i mean and you don't have to skip through songs yeah i mean look rock is basically kind of dead right now to be honest 
and and the album is gone right there's no albums like no one's it's, it's like it's that's like a concept like honestly it's funny because i wonder if there's any like under 20s or or under 25s that are listening that are like what are these guys talking about you know <laughs> yeah like, what's a, what's a cassette what do you what do yeah. you mean by an album yeah yeah, uh, yeah what i what i miss so much about buying music is the experience with the artwork that comes oh, with it I, sure. you don't get that when you just buy the digital mp3 set right yeah I mean, there's so much thought in the album artwork now. It's like, I don't know. It's even, I don't know. I think the artists still try to do artwork, but like no one really cares about it, right? <laughs> it's just like, no. it's just on your, yeah. on your phone, right? Not only that, not only that, and this is going to sound weird, but when you used to buy not so much a CD, but when you used to buy an actual record. Oh, well, now you're going way yeah. back. Even for these, even for Matt and Phil, you guys know what a record is? Yeah, oh, I still, <laughs> I'm just joking. I still, I still try to buy my records. We had a record player, but like, um, the needle broke like oh, in like 1989, right. and like you could not find a record needle for the longest time because everyone's like, "Ooh, CDs are the wave of the future." Yeah, mm-hmm. now there's a revival. You can get the turntables. Now. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, you'd get the insert artwork with the album, right? Yes, and 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 again, this is going to sound weird, but when you get the insert and you took it out. It smelled great. Oh, one thing you guys don't know about, about Josh is he likes to smell paper. Oh, me too. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm all about that. Oh, my God. Yeah. I'm, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, no I'm I, in the minority. Oh, my God. Like, one of my favorite smells is a library. Yeah. I, I even like the smell of, like, a used bookstore. I'll, like, if I find a quiet corner, I just sniff for a, for a couple minutes. Just a couple minutes, man. Josh, you met, you met some, like, simpaticos here, you know? I'm so glad that I'm not the only one. This is why when you walk into, like, uh, Chapters or Indigo, it smells great in there. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And uh, Chapters Indigo, if you can buy a book that's sealed, always get the sealed one so that you can open it at home to take the first smell of the first pages, right? There you oh, go. Yeah. I can't, yeah. believe what yeah. I'm, can't believe what I'm hearing. Like I picked the wrong week to quit sniffing blue. There's um, a great, like, uh, UCD record and even cassette uh, store in Ottawa, and I I love going in there and just sort of flipping through the uh, rows of albums and just be like going to different genres and things. And that's the thing that's kind of lost now with streaming music is that we pigeonhole ourselves into certain genres and then completely write off other ones. And except for yeah. rock, which is obviously dead. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really dead. Like you ever look on like the iTunes like rock chart it's like it's pathetic it's like don't stop believing you shook me yeah. all night long it's all old songs there's nothing new right? and really then you like- also you also see like record companies trying to promote individual acts uh like oh this is the the act that's going to save rock and roll like um yeah anyway like the black keys is the yeah. one that pops in yeah, mind yeah, a few years yeah, ago yeah. yeah uh before so we're gonna wrap it up very shortly here but before we go um skip josh thank you so much coming on uh i don't think this is going to be the last time that you guys are on here i I have a feeling that we're gonna have to connect again yeah for sure sure, man thanks for having us uh so before we uh send everyone out uh how can folks uh, get into contact with you how can they listen to your show okay well the main the main source for listening to our show is our website skipandjosh.com on there you'll always have a link right on the front page to like the most recent episode and then links to you know how you can subscribe which is you know all the same places that you know normal uh, podcasts are on so apple music which used to be called itunes uh stitcher google play music you know any kind of podcast app that you like you can just search skip and josh and you'll find us um and you know of course we're on facebook you can search us on facebook so you know it's again it's a skip and josh is our facebook page and then at skip and josh is our um twitter uh, handle 
And then if you want to go by email, <laughs> there's also Skip and Josh show at gmail.com. Awesome. And uh, for our listeners, uh, when this gets out, you'll have 64, 65 episodes um, yeah. released, something like that. Uh, it is your one year anniversary uh, or was on the November 3rd. Yeah. Um, should listeners go back and listen to past episodes or is it contemporary enough that we can just pick up on, on your most recent release? How, how, how would you... You know, you suggest listeners consume your show. You've touched on a something that me and Josh have been struggling with for a while, actually. Even when we're developing the show and talking about what we're going to record, you know, about is that um, I was saying, like, I was telling my wife yesterday, like, your show, your guys' show, you, you come up with a topic and it's kind of like standalone. You can listen to it whenever, right? You know, so like the history of. Um, censorship or uh protests and you know like like the, some of the themes that you guys have had and but we're all, we're like we're we try to talk about like what's going on in the sports world so sometimes like things are going too fast it kind of passes us by you know a little bit so it is kind of tough to go back and listen to some of the older episodes because we're talking about the world series of 2000 of last year or the the NCAA basketball tournament of last year. So, I mean, I would recommend, you know, start with, with the new episodes, but certainly you can browse the old ones and we have some really cool old episodes. So well, I was going like, yeah, to actually like, ask you about that. Like, what are some of your favorite past ones? Like some of the ones where you talked about bigger themes, maybe where you talked about the tragically yeah, hip. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, well, there's, ahead, well, remember when we interviewed, when we interviewed Joe and talked to him about you too, that's a good episode to listen oh, to yeah. because you can listen to that anytime. God, I hate you too. Wow. Well, well, yeah. Matt, I know you don't like you too. I know you don't like you too. I, I, I like my teeth and my <laughs> fist at the same time. Uh, oh, jeez. Yeah, but we did do a whole episode about you too, actually. With a It's funny. I listened show. to that one, man. And, I listened uh, to the whole thing yeah. and I left with like completely unchanged uh, opinion on the band. <laughs> So if you are a YouTube fan, you can definitely go back and listen to that one. That's for sure. Um, so for everyone listening, uh, the Skip and Josh podcast, go check them out. If you check out their archive, there are some uh, golden eggs in there. Um, I was listening to one last night about um, someone's new cell phone and alerts just driving them nuts. So they're they're Oh, well, that's Josh. That's Josh. Yeah. That was so long ago. That's, that, that's like one of our episodes. first ever episodes. Uh, yeah. I think number three if, yeah. uh, or number four or something like that. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so check them yeah. out. Uh, but we're going to continue our discussion over on their feed. So if you'd like part two of uh, semi-intellectual musings with the Skip and Josh podcast, check them out on uh, their feed on their Facebook, uh, sorry, on their website or, uh, you know, just subscribe. Yeah, That's the easiest way. Anywhere Just you find podcasts. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, here's us signing out, and uh, we'll talk to our listeners next week, uh, but hopefully over on Skip and Josh podcast feed in a moment. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thanks. So, Phil, why don't you let the good people know how they can reach us? Yeah, we are on Twitter at the underscore SIM underscore POD. Uh, we have a Facebook page, and it is at the SimPod, all one word. And, Matt, I hear... Five stars is a good thing to leave a review on Facebook. Yeah, for uh, for sure. On Facebook, leave us a five star. You no five, four stars. Or five tokens or whatever. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, whatever it is. You could send Matt and I an email at semi-intellectual at gmail.com. Our website, including the archives to the show and some bonus text content, is thesim.podbean.com. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Uh, today was a great episode, and we'll talk to you all soon. Talk to you soon. Ah, 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 ah,
or three or four records sitting in the can, you know, and the hip are working, a record the hip are working on. So we could hear more from the hip? Yeah, to the point where it'd be like, Jesus, is that guy not dead yet? Clearly entranced. Canadians can be funny. I wasn't 